You're listening to Women in Wealth WordPress, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of female empowerment and financial freedom through the wonderful world of web design. I was really like interested when you said that you entered this online world at only mm-hmm. 20 years old. I feel like now that's probably more of a thing, but I think for like our age, I think that's so impressive. 20 years old, starting your own business, working in the online world. Can you share a bit about your journey and how you got to do that? What were some of the challenges you faced and how you worked through them? Yeah, of course. So I kind of rolled into it really organically. It was not really something that I've always known I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always known I wanted to do my own thing. That's just really me and my personality and I don't really work well for a boss. So I've always known that. But I actually got an internship during my last year when I had to write my thesis for college or uni or whatever you want to call it. This is back in the Netherlands. And they asked me to write the thesis about e-commerce and like the trends, the future of e-commerce because my internship and the company I was working for, which was a hotel chain, I started diving into, especially the e-commerce world, obviously. And from there on, when I graduated, they actually didn't offer me a job, which I was bummed about that because I expected to get a job. That's why I sacrificed nine months of my time to work for them. So I was taken aback and I was like, okay, what do I do now? I've graduated, obviously started applying for jobs, but everything was very entry level and very admin-like. It wasn't really marketing focused or nothing really to do with my degree. I was really struggling to find a place, especially being so young, where people would take me seriously in the workforce and applying for a bit more like serious jobs as well. So I organically then started just doing stuff for businesses on Facebook and things like that, because this was back in 2012. So it was obviously when Facebook was still quite big, Twitter was happening. We had our own little Dutch kind of MySpace, Facebook, social media platform as well that a lot of businesses were on, but a lot of businesses just didn't know what to do with social media. So I started doing a lot of social media workshops and just support and management for businesses. I was very fortunate and blessed and lucky that I already had a great network of businesses that I could work with through just friends and family, people that we knew that were interested in taking me on. So yeah, from one thing came another. And sometimes I was doing workshops for hundreds of people all throughout the country. It was really a crazy time, especially being so young. And very organically through referrals and stuff, I was even like flown out to Mallorca once to do a workshop there. So I had really cool opportunities, especially at such a young age. But I do just say a lot of businesses loved what I was doing because it was such an unknown territory for them. So they just put a lot of faith and trust in me and they just assumed whatever I did was working for them. But it sometimes was obviously tough, especially being young and female to be taken seriously as well. I had a lot of struggles with fees and getting paid on time and When you would follow up with invoices, it would just go quiet or people would just make up their own payment terms. And I'm like, I have to pay my rent. Yeah. (laughs) I have a 90 day payment term just because you work that way. That's not how I work. So it was really difficult to set boundaries, especially towards most of my clients were very male industry related, like a lot of construction and tradies and stuff like that. So sometimes it was really hard to stand my ground and be firm and set boundaries. And so I really had to dive deep into that at a young age. And I did learn a lot from it, obviously, though. So 
I've always grown and put all my knowledge and experience in growing my own business further. So that's where I am now. I don't know, 13 years later. Yeah. And <laughs> wow. the other side of the world as well. Yeah. And I feel like no matter what age you are or what your business is doing, these are lessons that you have to learn and you do have to go through them to know how to tackle yeah. it and to tighten up your terms and to tighten up who you're working with and all 100%. those types of things. So yeah, I think- it's not always fun, but no, yeah. especially when I was young, it would stress me out a lot. It would really, I would take things really personal, but now every time kind of something happens or like you have a bad experience with a client or whatever, I'm like, not nah, stop, breathe. This is a lesson next yeah. time. I can see a red flag coming or next time I'm going to handle it this way or that way or indeed add terms to the contract and things like that. So yeah, I definitely see things from a different perspective. You do learn as well not to take things so personally because as business, it's not personal and it's like there's actually no point in really taking things on and letting them bother you for days and days or stewing over things. It's not healthy. It doesn't benefit anyone. It's like looking at it. It's so not sustainable. Yeah. 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 It really creates blocks for me as well. If I sometimes let that one client get to me and then I'm like, oh my God, I've had 10 other people emailing me and they're all super happy with what I'm doing or they're interested in working together or they left a review and I'm like, I need to focus on all those good ones and not that one bad experience. Yeah, I really agree with that. I saw something recently and it was a suggestion. I can't even remember where I saw this, but it was take screenshots of all the positive feedback and then just keep it in a folder on your phone. And if you're having a bad day, read through it because hundred uh, percent. we just need to all focus on our building our own confidence because those bad times do knock us back so much more than the good times propel us forward. So we do need to constantly, yeah, be working on our yeah. own confidence. And- oh, yeah. I had a friend who works in customer service and she has given me that tip from a really early start where she goes like, I just keep all happy notes, I call them love notes, in a folder in my email. Every time somebody emails me back and is grateful or leaves a good review or is super happy with what I've done for them, I just leave it in my love note folder. And I started doing that as well because she told me. And I just scrolled to that and I'm like, okay, I feel happy now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't have imposter syndrome. Indeed, I'm confident. I know what I'm doing. I'm on the right Mm. path. Yeah, that's awesome. And you do have to go through that, I think, to build that confidence. It takes time. It takes reinforcement. takes the hard times. And it's just a business. It's a journey. Yeah. I think it's actually really random, but Shopify just launched a new AI platform oh, or it's coming out. So the, yeah. the owner of Shopify just made an announcement and his kind of announcement was all around entrepreneurship is hard. You have to wear so many hats and it's such a difficult journey for everybody. And they obviously lifted off that story to introduce their AI, but yeah, you yeah, were so spot on though. Yeah, I might have to look that up. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now you're in a position where you're running an agency and you do web design and you also offer a focus on email marketing. I think this is something that is always and has been for a really long time hammered home by the big players in marketing. Email marketing is where it's at. Do you still believe that it's relevant and effective? And how do you think freelance web designers can use email marketing to benefit their clients' businesses and like expand their service offerings? I guess offer more to their clients and increase their bottom line by adding email marketing. Yes, yeah, so there's just a stigma around email marketing is like dead, right? That's a mm-hmm. term that is thrown out a lot of times, especially 
because there's many areas in the marketing world. You've got your ads, you've got your Google, your SEO, blogging, your socials, and there's so many like video marketing podcasts. There's so many areas, obviously, that you have to cover. And I feel like email marketing is such a forgotten child that it's always left behind, not prioritized, while obviously it is generating so much revenue for all my clients that I work with. But if you do it well and have a bit of a strategy behind it and have it all set up to work for you in the background, it really supports like all the other marketing that you do. Because obviously with ads and organic SEO search and socials, you send traffic to your website and where do all those leads go that aren't converting into a purchase or a contact form or anything that you want to achieve with your website. So if we try to capture those people at the very least, or at least a portion of them and try to convert them through email and through email funnel and really nurture them and introduce them to your brand and your business and the face behind your business and humanize your brand a lot as well. That really creates that connection with a customer that you can't really create from them just coming to your socials and your website and things like that. It really goes that step further and creates just a deeper connection with your audience that is such a like missing link in your overall marketing strategy. It's definitely not dead for that reason. Like (laughs) there's so much that you could do with email and that supports the other marketing channels as well at still very cost-effective price as well. I feel you can pump so much money into ads and even SEO and all that stuff while email marketing is still relatively cheap with um, just a very high return on investment. So that's why it's just really popular as well. And I felt like when I started off, mostly as a social media agency. And then when I came to Australia, my husband is a graphic designer. So we always combined our skills and worked with locals and friends and things like that. And it just really grew very organically into the business that we are today. But we were offering so many services that I couldn't really focus on everything. And I couldn't really put my 100% effort and energy into each and every service because I was so many hats to wear. And even if I would outsource some stuff like social media posts or things like that, I was just like, nah, there's just too much that is going on. So I really need to take a step back and focus on the things that I love doing most, but are also adding the most value to my customers and client base. So I really found that email marketing was just a little bit of a gap in the market as well. Like not many people were offering it and doing it very well. And things like social media and SEO, and especially ads as well, I wasn't passionate about that. I felt like I was taking a lot of money from people and I couldn't really ethically offer that yeah. service because I didn't feel like I was giving them the best ROI on those yep. and on their budgets and things like that, especially working with smaller businesses and smaller budgets. So I thought, okay, besides obviously web design, which is my true passion, Email marketing is such a great link and other service that we can offer as well and that we're very good at. And yeah, a lot of people, especially all the e-commerce businesses that we work with, just love having that next step in that business as well. Often we launch a website and a business with them and then they come back further down the track for us to set up email marketing for them. Yeah, it is something I get asked for a lot as well. And it does tie so nicely together. And it's almost when you do a website and you say SEO needs to be included in a website. It's like you can't be a web designer without including the basics, like optimizing images and adding meta descriptions and all of that stuff. It's almost the same if you're doing 
like e-com website, yeah, those abandoned cart checkout emails and all that type of stuff really needs to be considered as part of that initial package. I think you're really doing a disservice if you're not because they do make so much money. There's so many stats on it. Yeah. And then going that next step further with those nurture sequences and all of that type of stuff, there's a lot to be said for those. Really? We do have separate packages as well. And a lot of times people go for that e-com essentials, like the standard package where you've got your welcome email, abandoned cart, browse abandonment, thank your email and a review email. And those are really the stock standard ones for an e-com yeah. store to set up. For example, working with Shopify, they do have their own standard abandoned cart template as well, because it is obviously such an important email that you really should have switched on regardless if you're working with an email platform or not, or if you just use it natively within Shopify. But that's definitely just one that shouldn't be forgotten and should always be set up. But after that, there's obviously so many other emails that you can set up and just grow your account and have a lot working in the back end for you. And then there's newsletter, like weekly newsletters or something that you can send out as well and uh, newsletter management or monthly or anything that kind of suits your timeline and budget and business. I never push people to go, you have to send stuff weekly. I know that's a big commitment. I know that's a lot. But uh, yeah, we feel like, especially with e-commerce, there's just email marketing is so big. And a lot of our clients just love that. First and foremost, we create the email designs that are aligned with the web design as well. Yeah, That really ties in together. Often when they have a play with it themselves, they just go, yeah, nah, uh, can they just do it for me because it's, <laughs> First of all, much harder than I thought. Second of all, you just know what you're doing. You yeah. Know it's best. And thirdly, I really wanted to look as pretty as my website does. So that's why that ties in together and with the service that we offer as well. And then the other aspect of it is copywriting. And it's just a lot of times where clients get stuck themselves as well, where they either kind of use the standard generated text, especially within Clavio, if they're working with Clavio. Maybe even dab a little bit into AI, chat GPT or something, writing something for them. But they often just don't really know what to say, how to say it. Yeah. And again, what converts. And yeah, we've obviously designed and written and implemented so many emails now. I've lost count. I should count them because <laughs> it's just a stat. But I feel like those two kind of pain points were what really saw us thrive and build the business around email marketing as well. And I think a lot of times when people DIY things, they're just missing the strategy. They're like, oh, this is what we should say. And it's generally just a marketing message or buy our thing because of this. But it's not really turning into, okay, this is the problem that our product solves. And this is why it's going to make your life easier or the transformation it's going to give you. It's missing that deeper piece. It's more like they talk about the features or they talk a bit about their story or whatever it is, but it's missing the connection and the, this is why you need it really like that strategy piece. So I think that's really important. And then when you have someone do it for you as well, and you go through that process and they give you something and you're really like, oh, I couldn't have done that myself, or I never would have thought to do it like that. It gives you a whole new level of confidence. And then it's like you say, they're running for you in the background, working for you in the background, like automated, making a difference to your actual business. So that's when people are happy to spend the money and refer you on and all of those things. So that yeah, can definitely. really build a sustainable business, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are just so happy to get it taken off their plate Yeah, because it's really a struggle for them and a pain point where they just don't know what they're doing. And again, we've seen plenty of, of accounts that were already maybe established and are not running as effect- as effectively as they could. 
that we try to audit and implement new strategies as well. Because that's the other fun part, especially that I find about email marketing, that it is a lot of strategy as well. So it's not just web design where you're very creative and very visual. With email marketing, it's really, okay, you have to use your brain and you have to connect dots and analyze data. And it's such a different aspect to just being creative with design and even copywriting. It's really that other part of my brain that I'm using in the business where we're diving a bit more into strategy and numbers and things like that. And even though I'm not really a huge number geek or analytics fan, sometimes I get really, oh my gosh, it's just so much to take in. It is something that is just so important within email marketing to to analyze and to optimize as well. Obviously, a lot of the flows are set and forget, and that's what we say and share as well and promote it as it's a set and forget kind of thing that'll make money for your business in the background in the long term yeah but at the end of the day it will even benefit you more if you know you audit i say at least quarterly and just look into things that can be improved look into things that have worked well things that might not have worked try to do things different change over some images try different coupon codes things like that where you really continuously optimize those flows, they will only work better Better and and better. Generate more revenue for you. Yeah, Yeah. test and change. Yes. Okay, can you talk about how freelancers can set up an effective automated email like campaign for their clients? What are some strategies that they could consider? What platforms are you recommending and all of that type of stuff? Yeah, so mainly I work with two, three platforms, which is obviously Clavio, mostly for e-commerce, and if we work with any service-based businesses, I usually just recommend like MailerLite, some just to use the good old MailChimp if they already have an account set up in there. I'm totally happy to work with MailChimp. They did just launch a new template design creator studio in MailChimp. So at least we can do a little bit more now in MailChimp than before because I always find MailChimp really limited. In MailerLite, I really liked, it's still quite cost-effective. I think it's free it up is. to 500 or 1,000 users or subscribers. Mm. And all, yeah. includes automations yeah. on the free plan. I was going to say that's the only one that includes automations, which is just such a like game changer. If you know, you're a service-based business and you want to set up like a lead gen flow where you send out a freebie, you start introducing the business and follow up with people and things like that, or maybe download a pricing list and things like that. So. There's a lot of kind of creative ways that you can set it up in those two platforms for service-based businesses. And then obviously anything e-commerce, I always recommend Clavio. A lot of our clients come to us that are on MailChimp and just want to move over. That's definitely something that can be done. And Clavio has a full kind of library with resources on how to, for example, migrate your MailChimp account over as well, because it's not as simple as it seems. It's not just like, oh, import, export the list and Let's just go with it. It's really a bit more technical than that. And it's just really advised to warm up an IP from sending out emails within Clavio as like a new email service, email platform. You really need to just be careful, especially if you're going to import a list and you've never sent to them. And especially if there might be hundreds of or thousands of people on that list, you really risk to land in junk. And that's just obviously the most, the biggest downfall in working with email marketing is like, what if you land in junk? That yeah. is the question that I get all the time. And there are really like a few things that you can do to try to avoid that. For example, when you migrate over from MailChimp, there's really some steps that you need to follow that Clavio 
lays out for you. But if you're a service provider that obviously a freelancer that builds websites and wants to offer email marketing as well, I would really try to sell one of those platforms to the clients as an add-on. I recently added a second option in my proposal as a package deal. So you've got web design, which is a standard thing that we've discussed, or take it a step further and we'll add some copywriting, some email marketing, some more SEO features and things like that. You can really sell it as an add-on. And again, could even be as simple as just adding an email template design that they can use for newsletters and their own email marketing, or you can take it as far as setting up all the flows for them and things like that. It just really depends on kind of the client and their wants and needs and budget. I actually saw that you posted about that and I was like, that is such a good idea about offering. This is what we discussed and, but here's another option. Do you want to take the step up and spend that little bit more money? And have you seen how much revenue that has impacted your business by having that second option? Yeah, so I basically only started doing that like a few weeks ago. Yeah. I think come July 1st, okay, yeah. it's a new entry year, right? <laughs> Let's try to change things up, do things a bit differently. And I've always looked at my proposal and obviously added on things, especially little terms and conditions and questions about payments and all that stuff. So I've always tried to be as clear and upfront as possible. But then I had a client come back to me and they had quite a few questions regarding the proposal. And that really made me think, okay, how can I be as clear as possible? Because obviously, if this client might have questions, maybe my other clients previously didn't think it was that clear or they just didn't dare to ask the questions or anything like that. So I just took a step back and again, took that opportunity as a learning curve where I was like, okay. What can I do differently? And then I just started working on a different proposal template, much more extensive. It went from, I think, three to five pages to now I'm around about 14 or 15. But instead of cramming all the information in tiny letters to one page, I now just really clearly moved it throughout the proposal with dedicated pages about the payments and things like that. And then I actually went to TikTok. TikTok is like my new search engine. So If I need a recipe, I just go to TikTok. I just Mm. need a one to three minute video that shows me how to make this dish. I don't have time to watch a whole YouTube video. I don't have time to scroll through all your ads in your blog posts to get to the recipe. (laughs) So I really do a lot of talk search. And again, for this as well. So I just started searching for proposal templates for creatives and things like that. And I came across this one that just had options and laid out really beautifully as well. So again, really filed into different stages of the project. Obviously, this is the setup. That's what's included. This is included in the aftercare, things like that. This is the investment and the timeline. But then having that kind of that second option with the upgrade. So far, I think, I can't remember how many proposals I've sent out, but let's say it's been 10 and let's say eight of them signed up. Seven of them have signed the second option. Yeah, wow. And took the package that is probably anything about 500 to $2,000 more expensive. Yeah. So it's obviously generated so much more revenue already. In such a short space. In such a short space. And what I used to do is just have a page with add-ons and have them all self-select. Yeah, have a copywriting added on. Do you want to have your email template or do you want to have more flows and things like that? And yes, people would tick them, but more often than than not, they would just get skipped and we would just sign on the normal basic package basically 
yeah, I feel like having that extra option in there and package it up as a deal as well, give them a bit of discount because they will use multiple services. But uh, yeah, so far it's been really great and getting great return. On, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Amazing. And what are you using to send the proposals? Is it just a PDF at the moment or? Yes. Yeah. So I used to create it in InDesign. Now I've just moved it to Canva. It's just, I love InDesign, but I was just, nah, sometimes Canva can just be yeah. quicker and easier. Change it to Canva and then export it as PDF. And then I send it through Signal. Okay. I actually got a deal from AppSumo. Uh, so, I think I did see yeah. that come up. Yeah. So I got a lifetime deal for, I don't know, maybe a hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah. And I've been using it ever since. It works so seamlessly. A lot of people might not have Adobe Sign or things like that. Or yeah. They just don't really know how to use that. So, yeah. And Signature all, actually also sends reminders automatically. I love so that. that's a great little feature as well that I don't really have to follow up as soon as yeah. I send the proposal. I do follow up personally, but mm. they do also get reminders from Signature. And so sometimes after like months and months. I just stopped buffing them up. Yeah. But good old signaturely is yeah. sending them a little reminder and then, then they come back to me. I just had a client come back to me after a year and a half oh, and wow. she just signed on. So it does really help. Yeah. That's that automated piece. Anytime yeah. you can have something doing something for you that's taking up less brain space for you, that's amazing, which kind of yeah. leads me into my next question because... You're a mum. I'm a mum. Brain space is two like, boys. Yeah, both two boys. Yeah, yeah. brain space is a very important commodity. So how do you manage to juggle your responsibilities with your business and working from home and working with your partner as well? Do you have any tips or advice for other freelancers who are also parents? Yeah. So I started basically the business right when COVID hit. That's when I really took off and I was on maternity leave. I had my first baby Feb 2020. So he was basically born during the start of COVID and mm. we went into lockdown, I think when he was like six or seven weeks old. And I felt myself really bored. Because I was on maternity leave. I wasn't really doing anything. I was just sitting home with my baby. We couldn't do anything. We're in Melbourne, stage four lockdown, yeah. too long, basically. So that's when I really started picking up some work through the business. And I have to say, I was very lucky with him because he was very like independent and we couldn't really do much anyway and get out of the house. So he learned, it's really sad, but he learned to just entertain himself and mm. couldn't play with him 24 seven. No. Only that you could do, especially with a baby or a young child. So that really gave me a lot of opportunity to just work in between having him sitting next to me and playing. So I'm still present and I'm still yeah. there. He's also learning to be independent and do some independent play yeah. and things like that. Or often in the mornings, I give my kids breakfast and I just sit down at the breakfast table with them and then reply to some emails, things like that. I usually take meetings in the car. That's really like go to spot yeah. and just drive around. I'm like, okay, 9.30, we're going to head to the playground and I can squeeze it a 20 minute meeting. Yeah, I love that. The kids are quiet in the backseat. They're not running around the house and being loud and noisy. Mm. So that works really well as well. And then after the elders grew up, and obviously started to become a bit more needy as well. And obviously talking a lot more, being more mm. noisier. I just really found that I just have to let myself go and just give myself a break and work whenever I can. Yeah. Maybe take on less work if I feel like my child needs me more. And I really just started to let go of probably the really high bar that I set for myself. Yeah. And that was really hard because I'm such a control freak. But I just started going, okay, no, during the day. 
my time is mostly focused around my child or now my children, but I will work at night. That's when it's quiet. That's when I can get most of my creative stuff done really well. And during the day, there's just too many distractions. I just have to be realistic and it's just not going to get done. So that giving into it and letting go and then just making the kind of agreement with myself to just work at night. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. yeah, that does look like being up until 12 or 1 a.m. just to try to get stuff done. But I wouldn't have it any other way because I get to spend every day basically with my children and doing stuff with them. I really don't mind it. But yeah, yeah, it is a personal choice and preference, obviously. Yeah. And I resonate with a lot of that because I think for me, I've just been away on holiday and I took my computer with me and I posted about it on my Instagram. And there's a lot of talk about, oh, you need to have time to switch off and you need to do all these things. But I'm so grateful that I can go away on my holiday and take three hours to take a call with my course, but I can take the rest of the holiday off and I don't need to tell a boss I'm taking these days off. And for me, that is freedom because when I'm here, if my kids are sick, I can take a week off work and I can be exactly. with them and I might need to fix a tech emergency on the weekend, but it means I can pick my son up really from daycare on a Friday. You really get to build your own life and what that looks like and fit it into the times that you do have available as a mum. And I think that's such a blessing. A hundred percent. And I yeah. feel like the other thing that works really well as well is work with other mums yeah we get each other so I have to say probably at least 80 to 90 percent of my clients are other mums of mostly young children yeah trying to hustle their way into the world and yeah we're all working crazy hours and we all get it if we need to reschedule a call or if there's kids crying in the background or things like that so I feel that really works well and I do sometimes work with someone corporate people or men as well and they just don't get it (laughs) They just don't. And you feel really choked up as well when the kids start screaming or anything. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had a meeting with a US team with five people or something. And they were really pushy of getting this meeting done around their time. And they even expected me to get up at five in the morning or whatever. And yes, I actually this morning was up at 5 a.m. But the last thing on the mind then is just getting dressed and getting ready for this Zoom meeting with these five people in the U.S. Again, that's freedom. And I could choose to say no to that. And if I say no, that is fine. And that'll just make space for another client that is more aligned with how the way I run my business as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, in this case, I was like, yeah, no, I'll make it work. I'll do it at 7 a.m. And it was fine, but my baby was eating next to me and he was just like, after a half an hour, he was getting annoyed. My other child was just like running loose. He's like, oh, look at this, look at that. And then, I don't know, my mic wasn't working, so I had to go on my phone. It was just all these things that were just messy and not flowing. Yeah. This is why I should just say no. Like, yeah, just like learn from that. Of, I do a phone mm. call and I do it maybe, obviously, at a more decent time where yeah. and I've told them before the meeting I said listen I can do it at 7 a.m but I do have young children and we need to get ready for daycare and they were like yeah no that's totally fine but you still feel like yeah you know, this is not professional this is not the way it should be but again they understood and they signed on as a client like if you just really first and foremost be upfront about it as well I try yeah. to be as clear as possible on my website when scheduling calls and things like that that I run my business from home with my kids. Yeah. yeah. A lot of clients know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, totally. And going back to that thing you said, I think you said before, 
about surrender. That was my word of the year last year. And when you said that, I was like, yeah, I totally understand. As a mum, you can't control everything. And I think you've got two boys. I've got two boys. I found it so much harder going from trying to run my business with two boys. And it has been such a learning curve for me to learn what I can take on, what I can't take on, and really trying to figure out what I want my life to look like. And like you say, letting that bar slip a little bit sometimes. And But also knowing and trusting that it, it will come back to that at a time yeah. and a place where you're not so thoroughly in the trenches as well. And trusting that it's okay to take a little bit of a step back or let some things go and prioritize your kids and like put those boundaries in place so that you can have a life that looks like the way you want it to look. Even if that means maybe not making as much money or maybe not having as much client work or whatever it is. But yeah, trying to figure out what it looks like. It's a challenge, but it's like you say, I think when you have great clients, it makes all the difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really does. And I feel like they're only young for such a short period. My eldest now is three and a half, and he's already so much more like independent and understands a lot more when I go, yeah. no, mama just is on a phone call. Yes, he might still cream and cry when, yeah. when he just comes to you, he goes like, oh, can I have a chocolate? Because he knows I'll say yes. <laughs> so like, shut him up. But, you know, it's it's already becoming like so much easier with that age. But yeah, now that my youngest, he just turned one and started walking. And That's now, a hard age. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, until now, it was totally doable because he was a really easy but baby. Luckily. Yeah. Yeah, or not even like he was always quite wiggly and he crawled very, very early on as well. But he didn't get into trouble much. He was just like fine, whatever, like kind of cruising around. But now he's just getting into everything (laughs) and climbing onto everything. And all of a sudden he's outside and then the gates open with the stairs and you're just constantly watching him. Even the people I take, oh my gosh, we have just gotten our steps in for today running after that challenge I know that's me every single day so that's right now I think a challenge where yeah he's turning into a different child and like going into that next kind of phase where I can't really like let him sit there and play while I do a meeting or do work Mm. like even this morning I'm constantly getting up I'm trying to do an email okay wrote one get up one needs water the other one drops something. The other <laughs> one wants to watch iPad. And there's just always something going on. So you can't yeah. really focus 100% on work or on your children at that given time. Yeah. So that's when I just went like, you know what? Laptop closes. I'll do this tonight. Yeah. It's nice yeah. and quiet. And I'll just give in to that. And a lot of, again, a lot of my clients know as well. And sometimes like, there's so much guilt around that because it's like, you can't, you're not, yeah, you're not doing either well. So it's kind of like, Sometimes you just need to like make a choice. But similarly, one thing that I keep coming back to for myself when that guilt hits is there's a lot of research around sons in particular seeing their mothers succeed in what they choose to do and how that affects their success. So it's one of the biggest indicators of successful boys is seeing their mothers wow. like, well. So I keep coming back. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah. So, oh, that's so yeah, amazing. I'll see if I can I find a know that. Yeah, it's a yeah. really big piece of their success. And I always think as well, it probably lends a lot to how they will see women and how they will support their partners as well, which I already think is changing with our generation yeah. coming from the previous generation and like dynamics and partnerships and relationships and how much a husband does versus a wife and mental load and all of those things these are discussions that we're having and they're changes that are happening and yeah I just think it's for the best as well it's not it is they need to see us working and succeeding and being our own people just as much as we need that 
Yeah. Oh, and even the other end of the stick too, it's also okay to be a stay-at-home dad. You know what I mean? If that's what they want in life, then go Mm. for it and let your wife be successful and let them chase the career or whatever, whatever it is. That is so interesting. I didn't know that. And that's, it's, Again, I think it's comforting to know as well that yeah. you're still doing the right thing because you yeah. you always feel guilt. You're always yeah. like doubting yourself. If it's not over a project, then it's over your kids or yeah. the other way around. It's just yeah. this constant mum guilt and it's so real. Yeah. But I feel we're all in this together though, especially after COVID, obviously with so many people staying from home, working from home, building up businesses and things like that. There's such a great kind of community of just business mums and business stay at home working from home mums whatever you want to call them yeah that I feel we already found a really tight-knit community and can really relate to one another as well yeah definitely the traditional model of employment just does not work for women for mothers like I, I see it I as well I would not know how I would have done I think about Me this never. all the time like obviously before COVID and when I was pregnant when I was going on maternity leave what is it December 2019 I I fully just had daycare organized. I was going back after six months. I was doing three days a week, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, how the hell do people do that? Yeah. How does everybody, like, how did everybody always do this? I imagine it any other way. And obviously it's such a blessing, but there are days that it's incredibly hard as well. And where you are like, oh, I wish I could just go to work, sit there from nine to five, not worry about anything else when I get home and not having to answer emails and calls and just pick my kids up from daycare. Some days I wish that would be the case, but then 99% of the time. Yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> and you get, you get that reality check and you're like, no. Yeah. Like today after this call, I'm like, okay, I need to really get a pedicure. I need to get my car cleaned. And that's, and I can do that. Uh, yeah. That's my choice. And, you know, yeah. even a friend, she asked me the other day, she goes, oh, how's it go with work now that kids are in daycare more often? And I'm like, yeah, sometimes I'm not working. Like I'm taking some time for myself. Some space. I'll just go chill and don't have something. Yeah. Because I said to her, I need it. I don't have family here that helps out. Like it's yeah. just us. And it's very hard. If you, There's no village. That's just the reality, unfortunately, mm. especially if you have all your family overseas. Even my father-in-law lives overseas. So it's just sometimes can be very tough. And I'm like, no, nah, I need to prioritize myself because mm. if my cup isn't full, then yeah. I'm not going to fit yeah clients or kids yeah and it's important especially as creatives as well you need time away from your desk to be effective at your desk this is a lesson I'm learning over and over again and it can be hard it is hard to remember and prioritize when you're really when you're on deadlines and you've got a lot on but it's just critical because otherwise you get through those deadlines and then you fall apart at the seams oh yeah Yeah. and it's even I think when for example when I start a project and you say okay this first phase might take me two weeks for example yeah well in reality it might only take me a few hours yeah even though clients don't really know what is going on behind the scenes and they might Mm. think you're working on it every day for two weeks straight they don't know it's a lot of times it's just for me trying to get into that groove yeah, And trying to find the time when I'm most creative and find the time to to work on that project and even just sit on it. Like my husband as a graphic designer, a lot of times creates logos, but then just needs to sit on it for a yeah. few days and make some changes. Or all of a sudden he's got another idea randomly on a Sunday night yeah. with a glass of wine. It doesn't mean that in those two weeks we're working on your project every single all day. And yeah. it's really chunks of when that creative spark hit when I really get good ideas or when I feel like 
And besides that as well, I'm completely honest. Obviously, I run a quote-unquote agency and we do work with subcontractors and freelancers. And I do just have the most amazing person in India that helps me out, has helped me out for the past three years. He's basically been with us since the start. I've trained him up myself. I put a lot of faith in him because he knows me and the business and the clients and the visions so well because mm. I obviously trained him. But without him, I wouldn't be able to run my business because if there are days where my kids are sick or when we get a lot of an influx in inquiries and I want to take them all on, I can because he can help you out as well, which is great. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. I think that's probably all the questions I have for you. But I do want to ask you what would be your number one website tip because you build websites as well. So I feel like you might have some helpful Oh my gosh, it could be so many. First of all, I always try to share as much on my socials and on my website and in my free guides and everything. I am no gatekeeper. That's always been my motto and marketing wise that worked really well for us as a business where I just always give away the information. You don't need to sign up to get my guide, just download it. Honestly, at the end of the day, just learn from it. If you love it, you'll come back to me or you'll refer somebody on to me. So I always share just a lot of tips on socials and on my website. But if I have to give one tip and it kind of lifts off the email marketing part of it as well, is that for the love of God, delay your pop-ups or reinvent the way you are using pop-ups with a bit of a slider bar or just a top banner or things like that. Um, Because especially e-commerce, I just see people that you land on the website and they might even have multiple pop-ups going on, a sign-up offer and then an excellent cookies. offer yeah. and, a cook- and a chat bot and a rewards thing. There's five pop so going on yeah. and a little notification with this person bought that yeah. five minutes ago and the FOMO app. So it's just pop-ups to be used very sparingly. Yeah. Ideally just one, maybe two, if you know yeah. you want to add after your a delay. extra. And after a delay, ideally we say 30 to 45 seconds. The studies say 45 seconds. A lot of clients still have a bit of fear around that. They think that's too long. So we usually delay it to about 30 seconds. And I feel like that's a good sweet spot. And it just gives the visitor an opportunity to browse the website first and to see what's going on, see if they like the products or the offerings. And then the pop-up comes. So if you delay the pop-up, it will also give you higher conversions because you've given the visitor a chance to take a look around first. It's the same if you walk into a shop front and you immediately have somebody coming up to you, what can I help you with? You're like, whoa, okay, let me just have a look around. I'm coming here with some sort of intention to browse for X, Y, Z, but whoa, I'll find you when eat you type of thing. Mm. And that's the same with pop-ups. Just delay it for 30 to 45 seconds. Obviously have a great offer as well. That might be a lead magnet, like a freebie guide or something valuable when they sign up, or it could be a discount or free shipping things like that. And especially in this day and age, try to add an SMS phone number sign up field to it as well, because SMS marketing is just really taken off. So if anything, when doing web design, try to really think hard about what you're going to do with the pop-up and what information you're going to capture as well and what the offer is going to be. I also, I find it so funny because sometimes you go to a website and the pop-up comes and you're like, fuck off. And you're like, quick, quick. Yeah. And then you're scrolling and then you're like, wait, no, I actually want to buy something I now. should have that 10% yeah. discount. And then this is the thing that really shits me. You go and try and find it and they don't have it anywhere else. You can't yeah. sign up anywhere. And this is just such a 
badly thought out process. Yeah. Who did this? Yeah. Oh my God. I had this yesterday on whatever the Chinese website is. Where they get the moment. I opened it and I got a hundred dollar voucher and I was like, yeah, hundred dollars. How much am I going to have to spend to get a hundred dollars off? Mm. Right. So I just closed it. And in the end, I actually added up, I don't know, hundreds of dollars in that cart, probably $200 or something. So I was like, oh, maybe that hundred dollars would have come in handy. Yeah. Yeah. And now I couldn't find it anymore. And then when I tried it out, it says it's a one-time offer when you open the app as Uh, a first-time user. And I was but it was just in your face immediately. And my first reaction is I'm not going to spend over a hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm probably not going to meet the criteria. So just click it away. And same with a lot of other, again, another website yesterday when I was browsing and I just clicked it away, but then in the end I was going to purchase and yeah, I couldn't find it. So then yeah. I go incognito though, or I just then tried it. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a bad experience and that's what you remember. And then also they obviously were willing to give you that offer to make you have that conversion. And if you can't find that offer again and, oh, there was this offer, but I can't get it now, what's the likelihood that you then abandon cart because you're like, oh, now I don't want to spend that much money. Do you know what I mean? All around. exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because yesterday I ended up abandoning that cart because I was like, okay, if they're going to offer me 10% or whatever at at when you open the website up, I was like, okay, then they'll probably offer me 10% yeah. off my cart if they obviously have set up their marketing correctly. Yeah. I was like, I'll just leave it in my cart. I'll just wait till tomorrow and get that 10% yeah. then so I don't have to go and find the pop-ups. So if you're building a website or you're a business owner listening to this, just take that two cents and delay the pop-up because yeah. it'll work so much better for your conversions totally. and just for the overall user experience as well. Yeah, yeah. agree. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you online and connect with you and all of that good stuff? Yeah, of course. So I'm mostly on Instagram these days. My handle is just at Siri the Agency. Same for my website where you can download lots of freebies and I try to give as much information even for people starting their business. Like one day when I've got time, I will create a (laughs) course of my own Yeah, because I just get so many kind of questions thrown at me from different people from freelancers to other agency owners that we work with or clients and startups that want to start a business. So I'm trying to one day create a hub, Mm. maybe something like Siri School or something like that. So definitely keep following me on on Instagram while I sign up for my newsletter, things like that. And uh, see how it's done. Yeah. (laughs) I have to say I should take a page out of my own book because that's the thing though, you do it for everybody else. Yeah. Neglect your own stuff. Neglect your own stuff. But (laughs) yeah. That's just the way things are. Yeah, I get that. All right. Thank you. I'm on the gram too. So I will see you there. Yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) And yeah, thanks for the opportunity to chat. No, thanks for coming on. If you love what I do here, let's connect. I tend to hang out on Instagram and you can find me at Seedling Digital and at Woman Wealth WordPress. You can head to womanwealthwordpress.com forward slash freebie to download my free Embrace Your Dream Life workbook. This guide is over 10 pages of actionable information and worksheets designed to help you build a profitable and fulfilling business in three steps. Get clear on your why, improve your money mindset, and hone in on your messaging. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a rating and a review. It truly means the world to me and I read every message and kind word. Till next time, aim big. Aim big.